Well, uh, one of the things that uh, when we were on vacation, we started reading First and Second Corinthians, well, First Corinthians mainly um, on vacation, and I'm telling you, the Word of God is just so powerful. And as you give him opportunity to speak to your heart, he starts stirring things up. And I've read First and Second Corinthians many, many times, but this time, some just things just started clicking, and my eyes just started opening up to some truths. And um, one day, Christina was like, "What are you writing?" I had like four pages of <laughs> notes, and I'm like, "It's just so good." <laughs> And so I want to share some of those truths that God uh, started putting more clearly in, into my heart. And um, so I would say the title of this is Be a Powerhouse for God. And that is the thing that just really stood out to me. And, you know, people want to make a difference. You know, when, when you are a young person, you have dreams of doing great things, you know. Um, you watch different movies, and you like the superheroes, and, and even as an adult, you know, we like the superheroes. We, you know, we want to be the one person that can save the day and make a difference and change people's life and, and get rid of the bad guys and, you know, all those kind of things. There's things like that that, you know, that we watch and or you root for the underdog, you know, that I, I know a lot of times when we'll watch sports, you know, we, we don't necessarily follow all through the season, but like the big games, we like to watch the big games and I always like to go for the underdog unless it's the Patriots or you know, the Red Sox, then no matter if they're the underdog or not, I'm going for them. But if it's, if it's not one of them in it, you're always kind of going for the underdog. You know, you just want them to eke through and, and you know, they're going to they're gonna win. You know, there's just something about that on the inside of us. And I believe that that is God-given. He wants us to make a difference. And the beauty about God is that it's not limited to just one person in here that gets to make the difference. No, every single one of us, uh, God is big enough that every single one of us can be a powerhouse for him. We can make a difference in our family. We can make a difference in our friends. We can make a difference in our local congregation. We can make a difference in our community because of who God is and the fact that he is in us. And so when we decide to follow uh, Christ, we are given special abilities, special things that are put inside of us uh, to make a difference. We are being transformed into a powerhouse because we have a powerhouse in us. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 14 through 19. But their minds were blinded. This is talking about uh, the Jewish people. Their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Jesus made it to where we could start understanding the things of God. 
But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. And this is, again, talking about uh, God's chosen people, the Jewish people who uh, at this point had chosen to reject their Messiah, their Savior. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So how does that blindness, that darkness get taken away from you? By you accepting Jesus. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, listen to this, are being transformed into the same image, which is God's, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord is inside of us. He is revealing himself to us. He is making uh, the darkness where it seems like, oh, the word of God is dull. I don't understand it. We now have a helper. We have God Almighty on the inside of us that as we begin to read his word, it comes to life. It becomes light to us. It becomes the power to make us go from a life of how it was before we had Jesus, now into this hope that we have because of who he is and the fact that he is in us. Let's uh, look at 1 Corinthians 1.25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. There is a, the things of God can seem foolish to people, but that foolishness of what people think is foolish is wiser than what they understand. The truth of who God is, the strength that comes from knowing God is stronger than man without God. And so this is what we have. We have his wisdom. We have his power. When we follow God, our course has changed. That's so exciting. We are not on a path that leads to destruction. We are on a path that leads to life eternal, life that is abundant, life that it doesn't mean that there isn't hardships, but it means that you always have the victory in spite of the hardships. It means that you're going to overcome. You are no longer, you know, just barely getting by in life, just like, oh, I hope that I have, um, you know, somebody rescues me out of this situation. You are confident knowing that the greater one is on the inside of you and he is making a difference in you and through you. And so we take his ability, that ability that is now in us, and we walk and operate in his ability, no longer concerned about our weaknesses, no longer concerned about uh, you know, our inadequacies, but we are with that realization that, hey, God is for me, and he is helping me, and he wants me to make a difference. And if we look at 1 Corinthians 6.30, when we go there, uh, it says, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So when you were bought with a price, you now are God's. 
You are not unto yourself. You don't do things the way, you, you have the choice to keep doing things your way if you want, but you can glorify God now with your body and with your spirit and with what we do. You know, just like you have the choice to accept Jesus, not accept Jesus, you have the choice now that you have Jesus to sit on the sidelines and just let life happen and act as if you don't have the power of God on the inside of you, or you have the ability to say, you know what? I'm going to do things God's way, and I'm going to follow after him, and I'm going to allow him to reveal things to me, and I'm going to allow him to move through me, and I'm going to allow him to change uh, the atmosphere because of me, because he is in me, and therefore he is able to move through me to everyone that is around me. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, 3. I love this. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us. This was Paul writing, uh, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Our heart, we are now a walking testimony of the goodness of God of the mercy of God, of the power of God. All of that is now everywhere we go. We have this ability to be lights that are shining for him, lights that are flowing um, with him in order to affect everybody that is around us. Uh, it's so exciting. We were meant to make a difference. We are meant to change things. We are meant, it doesn't have to take, uh, you know, just one person. It can be every single one of us. God is not a God that says, okay, only, uh, you know, Greg can be used by me today. No, he's one that he's big enough that every single person in this room can be used of him today and to be able to flow with him today. And, and he, he doesn't want you to do it in your own strength. He wants you to do it in him. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 2, verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. That's you and me. When we choose Jesus, we are called to be saints with all who are in every place uh, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours so it's not just us we are collectively called by God every person that calls on the name of Jesus we are called to be saints it's not just the person who gets their name on the front of a church Every single one of us get to be saints. We are called to be saints of God. Uh, when we accept Christ, uh, we are set apart for his work, for his glory, for his purpose in our lives. We can take this, li we can take this lightly or we can take it seriously. And as we take it seriously, we allow him to help us be everything that he created us to be. It said he knew us in our mother's womb. 
He knew what his plan for us was, and he chose us on purpose to live for him. He sees our heart. He knows what we desire. Those of you that choose to come on a Wednesday night, he sees your heart. He knows you've set this time aside for him to walk with him, to talk with him, to sing to him, to live for him. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. I told you there's just a lot of really good things in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians, and they just started all coming together. <laughs> I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God that which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that grace that was given to us. Isn't that amazing? Just by accepting Jesus, we received grace. We didn't, we didn't do it in and of ourselves. It just got plopped on us. We just got to be, all right, here's the grace. I receive it. You know, just by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that you, verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge. I want to key in on that. You're enriched in what you say and what you know by the Holy Spirit, by God Almighty. He is enriching you. When you, when you talk, you can listen to him and speak his words. You can know, you can understand his plan. Uh, and then let's look at verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. Listen to that. You come short in no gift. It's in you. It's in you. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you in the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. That's our hope. That's, our, that's the truth that we stand on. That's the thing that makes the difference in us is that it's not us doing it of ourselves, but it is God in us. Uh, if you look at the Amplified, I liked how the Amplified um, on verse 5 was on that. So that in him, in every respect, you were enriched in full power and readiness of speech to speak of your faith and complete knowledge and illumination to give you full insight into its meaning. Isn't that amazing? That that's what God, having him on the inside of us, when we read the Bible, we can expect full illumination that God would reveal himself to us, that he makes his word alive in us so that we can understand him so that we can understand what we have in him, so that we don't go along in life and just act like the world because we don't know what we were saved from. No, we are saved and impacted by uh, our choice to follow God. And the more that we understand that, the more that we seek that, the more that we go after that, the more that it allows him to reveal himself in us and it allows him to make us who he wanted us to be from the beginning. From the beginning. There's so much power that's available to us as Christians. 
the power to walk in victory, the power to speak words of truth, words of faith, that when we pray, we see things change because we are hooking up with God and he, he is able to pray things out through us. And so uh, he, that as we look to him, that revelation comes to us as we read his word. You know, it's so easy to think, you know, I, I read the Bible and, and it really didn't do much for me. You know, I, I, I think about that. Do you know that it takes faith to read the Bible? Because the Bible says right here, we've just read it, that he lifts the darkness. And so what was darkness for other people? You know, sometimes you hear people that aren't saved said, oh, I read that one time. And, and they've gone on with their life and thought that they didn't need it. But you know what? For us, we read it and we're like, wow, okay, I'm going to take hold of that. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to act on it. And then we read it again and we see it differently. And we're like, wow, I know I've read that before, but I'm going to take hold of this new truth that I've just seen. And I'm going to take hold of it and I'm going to act on it and I'm going to see it change my life. There is so much power that is available to us through the word of God. And it's amazing just as we yield to him, as we say, God, I'm doing this as an act of obedience. I'm going to read your word. And, you know, for our teenagers, I'm going to read my chapter. I'm going to read this chapter. And, and I'm just going to believe that I'm going to get something from it. You know, and he will meet you because you are being obedient to him. You are giving him the place to speak to you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians uh, 3.14 again. I'm just going to say this again because um, just to, to stress this. These are people that did not know God, but their eyes, uh, oh, let me see, where am I? But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. I just want to stress that, that once you have Christ, the veil is lifted. You can read the Bible, and it can become alive to you. It can become a source of strength to you because, and even if you take it and, and you get pressure saying, you know what, it doesn't, it's dry. It doesn't mean anything to me. No, then you keep saying it. No, I'm going to keep reading it. I'm going to keep doing this because the Bible says that this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to keep doing it. And you know what? If you have to read it over and over and over, one of these days you're going to hit a gusher, and it is going to make sense to you. You know, it's like people tell me certain um, things. Well, you know, I tried uh, disciplining my child, and it didn't work. And I said, well, you just keep doing it until it does work, <laughs> until it does make a difference. You don't quit doing the things of God because you don't see something immediately. You keep doing it because you know that if God said it, he did not lie. He did not lie. And so the veil is taken off because we have accepted Jesus. So when we read his word, we get something from it. And that something is what's turning us into a powerhouse for him. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. like that yes 
2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are, are being transformed. Transformed. Something is happening in us. Something is changing in us as we allow God to reveal himself to us. Let's uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, and this is in the Amplified. There is no competition in God. That's amazing. You know, in most things, there's a competition. You have to, you know, uh, there's one CEO, you know, or, or you know, you want to get a, a job with, that makes a certain price and so uh, a certain wage. And so as you're going uh, and applying for jobs, you're hoping you're the one that gets that job. You know, you're, you're putting your application out there. Well, with God, there isn't this only one person it's not just, you know, Kathy that gets to win. It's not just Jim that gets to win. It's not Eric that gets to win. It's not Amika, but it's all of us. And let's look at this, 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. So the difference is that every single one of us, we can run our race and make the prize ours. It's not just a few of us in here that get to do that. It is every single one of us that can lay hold of this prize and receive it and hear those words when we uh, stand before Jesus face to face, well done, good and faithful servant. Every single one of us in this room and watching online, every single one of us can have that. It's, it's available for all of us. I, I don't have to compete with anyone else in this room. I can't be, I don't have to be concerned that, you know, Christina's going to get it and I'm not. No, if I am running after it, if I'm doing what is in front of me to do, I'm going to receive that prize. And all I have to do is follow him. All I have to do is listen to him and yield to him and allow him to work in me. And I'm going to get that prize. And so our race is our life. You know, a lot of times people are really fast and they can run a 400. Uh, you know, like Yaden back there, he can run a 400 and he can win. I can't. I, I'm not good at that. I can do more the long distance when I was younger. Now I just walk. I don't even try to run. But my point is, when you're going on a race, this race is your life. It doesn't end in two weeks. It goes on and on. And so we have to... Uh, we have the choices that we are making today affect us next week, and it affects us in our future. And so God is putting things in front of us, and he is showing us things so that we're prepared for down the road in our race. And so he's helping us now to get where we need to go. You know, my race is different than your race. 
my race looks different than your race. I'm married to a different person. You know, we, I have four children. You may have three children. And, you know, it, it looks different. Life looks different for each and every one of us. And so it doesn't matter that your race isn't exactly like mine. Because in the end, there's a prize for each and every one of us. And as we follow after him, we can have that prize. You may feel like you don't have a lot to offer God. You know, sometimes life, if you listen to things, there is a devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants you to think that you are insignificant. He wants you to think that you are inadequate, that you aren't making a difference, that, you know, uh, life would be just as fine without you as it is with you, you know, or maybe even better. You know, there are things that have been told to us, sometimes even as children, you might have had things being told to you that that you're not smart, that you... Uh, that you aren't well-behaved or that, you know, you're just not a good kid. You're a bad kid. Different things are put in to uh, us, and we have a decision that we have to make. Am I going to listen to that because that's not the way that God sees me? He takes the foolishness of the world and, and uh, what, what man thinks is foolish, and it is wise to him. And so you don't have to be the smartest, the best looking, uh, you know, in the world's sense of what it is. There's a lot of really uh, uh, people that are able to do things very, very well that choose to stick with themselves instead of needing a savior instead of needing God. And so here we are in this room, and we have said we need God. We need, and, and that to the world is foolishness. Only weak people need that, and yet there's so much strength, so much power by the choice, by the decision that we made. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 20. This is going to be kind of a longer passage that I just want to uh, 120. I just want to go through this because I want you to see for yourself what how God sees things. It's not the way that the world sees things. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 120, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Through the world's wisdom, they don't see their need of a God. It pleased, uh, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. There's so many people that just think that they are so much better off without God, and yet that foolishness to them is what could make them a powerhouse for him. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. We have power and we have wisdom because of God. It's not apart from God. It is in 
God that we have that. Let's look at verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Doesn't that just encourage you? It does me. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. What people think is foolish is actually the wisdom that we need, that we can run with. Let's look at verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. That is huge. Many people that, that you would just expect, okay, God would use them. That's the kind of person God would use. And they were not called because they could do it in their own strength or so they thought. And so God, in verse 27, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things, uh, I had to look that up to see what exactly are base things, but they're things of little value to the world. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to, no, uh, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are called in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. There's so much in here. You know what? If you feel inadequate, you qualify. Because you're not going to be looking at yourself. You know that it's not in you. It's not your abilities. You are trusting. The Bible says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why is that? Because then I'm going to God. Because I realize I can't do it in myself. I can't go forward. I, I don't know enough. I'm not sure of this. And so I have to run to God. And I have to rely on him. And I have to look to him. And then guess what? He takes me and he moves through me and he multiplies what I have and then he reaches my uh, surroundings what I allow him to do in me he takes that and so I don't have to be the the wisest I don't have to be the most powerful because now I have the greater one on the inside of me who is doing it in me and then guess what who gets the glory he does not me. There were a lot of people that God chose in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament that were not what you would have naturally have picked. You know, when David went against Goliath, he was not the tallest or the strongest person in Israel. And yet God saw his heart and the fact that he would yield to him. And so God used David because David led him, and God showed up big, and it affected the whole nation of Israel because he was yielded to God. And then you have Gideon, who was afraid naturally. He was hiding, and yet God used him and 300 people to defeat, their, to defeat Israel's enemy. 
You've got Paul that although he was a Jewish scholar, he knew things, he knew a lot, yet he was sent to the Gentiles. And then you have Peter who was a fisherman, and yet he was sent to the Jewish scholars. God will do things uh, because when we are reliant on him, we don't get in the way. Sometimes in the things that we are the best at, we get in the way of ourselves and we get in the way of God. But in the things that we are weak, we have to lean on him and then he can move through us. We look to the greater one who is inside of us. That's in 1 John 4, 4. And then the power of God that is inside of us, that is what is going to make the difference in us. And then if we look at Philippians 4, 13, I know I kind of skipped over the 1 John 4, 4. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say I can do all things in and of myself. My strength comes through Christ. He's the one that is doing it in me. He's the one that's making the difference in me. And uh, we, are not, we are not an island to ourselves. We are not alone. God is with us. If you look at 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, this is Paul writing of himself. He says, and, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with the excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I want to camp here for just a minute. We want to keep our eyes on God. Paul said, I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to look at what I'm saying. I, he was pointing them to God. He goes, as much as I can, I am pointing you to look to Jesus. Because you know what? If you are looking at man, you are going to be disappointed. You, there are a lot of people that uh, will fail you. There are a lot of people that will hurt you. And if your eyes are on them, you will be discouraged. You will feel let down. But if your eyes are on Jesus and you're looking to him, then you can stand strong in the middle of whatever it is. Your faith is to be in God. It doesn't matter what people are doing. It doesn't matter how uh, people treat you. It doesn't matter. It matters that you are focusing on Jesus and allowing him to work in your situation, to turn things around for your good. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are shaken up because um, other Christians were messed up and did something wrong. And then they're just like, well, that's just wrong. Well, yes, it is. But our faith isn't in those people. Our faith is in God. And I'm not going to stop doing the will of God because somebody else messed up. You know, there's people that, you know, uh, they, they have pastors and, there's, and there have been pastors that have done things that are wrong. And you're like, well, they shouldn't have. Well, you're right. 
they shouldn't have. But if my eyes are focused on them and I'm saying they shouldn't have done that and so therefore I'm just not going to serve God, what gave you that right? What gave you that license to do that? Because it's not between. Your eyes aren't on that person. Your eyes are on Jesus, and you're doing what the Word says in spite of what people are doing. You know, uh, there's a lot of uh, things in the Word that people, you know, just because someone didn't get healed doesn't mean that healing isn't for you. You can get offended that, you know, this great Christian person died and they were in faith well yes that's terrible that that happened but it doesn't change the fact that the word of god says that by jesus stripes you were healed that that is a truth in spite of what happened to so and so you know some people are like uh i'm not going to give money to the church anymore because there's just so much that is done wrong in in the church and so i'm not going to give but the bible says to give let's look Let's look at Second uh, Corinthians nine seven. We don't want to be offended by people and then miss out on what the Bible says. Second Corinthians nine seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We don't want to let anyone get in between us and the will of God. We want to stand and say, you know what? God, you can do, you can move through me, and uh, and you can do things whatever you want. And as you do that, your heart is tender to him. You're allowing him to go and, and use you. He can use you in as you volunteer in the church, he can use you as you give to the church. He can get, use you as you pray. You know, if you're, as you pray for, for the congregation for, that is um, your fellow people that are serving God, as you pray for your pastor, God will use you. And so, so many people, if they're offended by uh, what maybe some minister that was in the news did, that may not even be your pastor. That's not, why are you offended on behalf of them? You weren't even in their church. <laughs> we want to stay steady and not get offended by what people um, are doing around us, by the humanity. We are not looking for a perfect church. We're looking for the church that God has told us to be a part of the church that God wants us hooking up. You know, sometimes people are offended because churches are beautiful. And I I tell them, you know what? God specifically told Solomon how to make the temple and it was beautiful. It was very nice. If we can make stadiums that are billions of dollars for entertainment, why can't we have a nice place to meet where we show off. That temple became the talk of the world. And it's still spoken of today because of the Bible, that beauty. And so we want to not be offended by humanity, but instead we want to stay focused on what does the word say? What is God saying? What does he say? Because if we hook up with him, he is going to be able to use 
what we give, what, of, whether it's money, whether it's our time, whether it's our talent, whatever it is, he can use that and then allow you to be a powerhouse for the body of Christ. He wants to use you. You know, uh, let's look at, we, or well, I'll say it like this. We don't want to look for excuses to not serve God. And sometimes it's easy to find those excuses if you're looking. If you're, if you're not careful, you're going to see inadequacies and things that are not, that are unjust and, and not fair. And it just looks like, but you are not, um, you are called to be where God has put you and placed you. And if you are there, then that's what your focus is. I'm not focused about that pastor in the paper or in the news. I'm focused on what does God have for me to do right here. And you are not focused about the church that just shut down down the road because of whatever reason. You're focused about, okay, this is where God has me and the work that God is doing in this area through us, through what we are doing, We're, what he has called for us to do. We, we don't have time to get distracted by, by defeat. We have to look at the victory. What is God doing in us? What does he want for us? And as we do that, we allow him to work through us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. We're closing here. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So there are things that are going to try to get you to not be steadfast, not be faithful, not be immovable, you know, that are going to try to shake you, that is going to try to get you off track. But we are saying no. <laughs> we are saying no. Our labor is not in vain. What we are doing is not in vain. We are making a difference because we have the greater one on the inside of us. And he is working through us. And he is making a change in us. And so everything that we do is for him. Every time we show up to church, it's for him. Every time we open the Bible, it's for him. Every time we pray, it's for him. Every time we worship, it's for him. Every time we excel at work, it's for him. Every time we love people, it's for him. Every time we share Jesus, it's for him. Everything that we do is for him. Let's look at Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. Everything about us is about Jesus. And as we live our lives focused on him, we can take what uh, he can take what we offer and he'll multiply it. He can make us powerhouses for his kingdom and we will make a difference. No matter what we feel like, we will make a difference because his word said so. His word said so.